This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 54. Today on our show, Bunbury Music Festival founder Bill Donabedian. We had a pretty sophisticated judging system, and it was it was based off... I, I, I had a girlfriend. She was a beverage chemist. And so they would do blind tastings, and they had a methodology for trying to get accurate like what do people think of things and not being influenced by other things. The Bunbury Music Festival debuted in 2012, but it wasn't Bill's first rodeo. He talks about the other festivals he's organized, including the Midpoint Music Festival, the controversy over the proposed Riverfront concert venue, and how Bunbury got its name, and a lot more. Tea is spilled, I can assure you. Be sure to listen for the promo code at the end of the episode. As always, you can save 20% on your next Cincy shirts or oldschoolshirts.com order. So let's talk to Bill Donabedian. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at C-Shirts.com in Cincinnati. So you rocking the Miami uh, yep. hockey, hockey jersey, huh? My alma mater. Nice. So when uh, when did you graduate from there? Oh, I graduated. I should have been an '89 grad, but I did a year in Europe, so I graduated in '90. I'm an old man. Oh wow! Yep. Heck yeah! So <laughs> so let's see. So you were at three CDC. Uh, well, obviously you probably did a lot more until then. Yeah. But, but that's kind of that's kind of your jumping off point, right? Was, well, uh, I found co-founded the Midpoint Music Festival. Okay. With Sean back in 2002, Sean Riney. Okay. So that started my event path. I, and before that, what a lot of people don't know me, I was I had a, a graphic design and multimedia development firm. Okay. And we and we did web based and web based development, search engine optimization, stuff like that. That was back in the mid mid nineties. Oh wow, SEO in the mid nineties. Yeah, I I did proof of concept for Procter and Gamble on SEO back in the ninety in the late nineties. Wow. I showed them that it was possible to manipulate. Google rankings, search engines, and and how how you do it, and then what what you can do with it. Ask Jeeves rankings, maybe back then. Yeah, ask Jeeves Northern Light. That's crazy. So that's just an idea Excite. you had, or that no, that's was, something you pay attention to on what's happening on the coasts, or yeah, tech was, magazines or whatnot. And you're I like, was paying here? attention to it, and and started to understand how to. There's a way, and and they're better at it today, but there's a way to manipulate them without being manipulative. I think. I mean, you can, if you follow some rules and do some things, it can definitely improve your rankings. And yeah, and you won't you won't be punished if you're found out for trying to, you know. <laughs> all right, PF, turn off the mic so we can get all these. Yeah, uh, yeah. Gotta get pause. The, gotta get the Google stuff going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a slow burn for sure. That's what we found out. It's like, uh, well, PF's been our main uh, content contributor on our blog. You know, just writing as many stories on as many different topics as we can, and those keywords are floating out there, and you yeah. never know when they're going to be gathered up and you know thrown onto someone's web browser. Well, on our sister site, Old School Shirts, we had uh, 
St. Louis Spirits, I think, is yeah. the that they ended up doing a thirty for thirty documentary on them, mm-hmm. right? Was it the Spirits? Yeah. And we had that shirt a year before this that documentary came out. So all of a sudden, people see the documentary, they do a search, and yeah. guess who's there already in there? Yep. Yeah. We had just told the story. There's so many things like links to your to your site is is really important inbound yeah and so that's why a lot of if you're really aggressive you create portals around your keywords and then you create content on those and then you constantly bounce it back to your site no one has to know that you own other sites all those sites are doing are helping generate uh, updated it, content it tells, it tells Google like hey when people look for this this is the website that most people like doesn't to go Google to doesn't Google know if that's a quality site or not like, well that's what I'm saying is like you, you can create a, a, a 5 or a, a yeah, 1 you, you can create a, a website around t-shirts but on a different aspect of it from an industry perspective and talk about different things and put on little paragraphs daily and updates and constantly link to your other sites hyperlink to it and stuff yeah and over time you know you you just create this you create an ecosystem and you feed it and what's your title and what's your keywords and how your description and what's on the page if they all start to line up you just it just creates this you know legitimacy and it creates these yeah and i mean you're creating the more door fronts you can create into your site it's the better get the work buddy all right yeah. man so you pitch that to PNG. Up. So PNG is like, okay, cool. We'll just do it on our own, or did that work? I don't out know. With, like, uh, I did the project for them, and then I don't know what happened after that. Honestly, <laughs> they ghosted you. They probably went to paid some New York firm millions of dollars when they could have paid me a lot less. That's yeah. usually what happens. That's the name of the game. So, are you Cincinnati born and raised? No, everyone always groans. I, I'm really from Pittsburgh. My family oh, moved here in. Oh uh, my gosh! Yeah, my family moved here in '79. And yes, what part? I'm still a Steelers fan. What, what part of Pittsburgh? <laughs> Penn Hills, West Mifflin. Oh, okay, West Mifflin. I think my buddy's Kennywood. Wife's, yeah, my wife's buddy's from Penn Hills. Yeah. Oh wow! Here we go. Man, yeah. buddy's, buddy's wife. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so so we moved here in '79. So I guess I was like 12, 11, 12 years old. January 17th, 1979. So then what high school did you go to? Yeah, McNicholas. There we go. We were in yeah, Anderson. The Rockets. And then... Uh, right on Beachmont Avenue. Yeah, right there. And then went to Miami for college. And uh, actually, though, I did get my, my MBA from Xavier later on. But So I need to just go to UZ and get my doctorate, and then I've got yeah, the basics you covered. Yeah, you got the trifecta. Uh, yeah. <laughs> live in Anderson or Mount Washington? I lived in Anderson. The township? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> now I'm in now I'm in Milford, but I used to live downtown. I lived downtown for a long time. That's a big Heck change, yeah. right? Yeah, going from the suburbs. Because I was in Chicago. After college, I was in Chicago for one year. I lived in Luxembourg for a year. I lived in Chicago for a year. So. So, what, so what took you to Europe for the one year? Just Miami has an unbelievable program where you can study abroad, and they put you with a... What was her name? Yeah. Put you in a house and, you know, there's classes in the city center and and then you would travel on the weekends. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> My only European experience is working for Procter & Gamble. So yeah. it was uh, 
it was kind of like my study in abroad since I never finished college. Yeah. <laughs> I just worked for P&G, and then they sent me to Canada and Brussels uh, and cool oh, places Canada. like that. I was like, yeah, Canada, I know, right? International. That's right, Toronto, nonetheless. <laughs> Gorgeous. That's nuts. So how does a tech guy get into want to start a... Well, uh, I, uh, with Midpoint. I like, was a musician. I, I started playing with a band, a local band in town called The Simpletons, and then a band named Crosley. And there was a guy, his name was Jay Hopper, who did a, an event called Popopolis at the Southgate House, where he took over the whole thing and booked it. And I'd heard about South by Southwest, and I just thought to myself, you know, there's all these local clubs, and if you could put an umbrella over it, and, you know, that's how Midpoint got started. Yeah. And uh, just started working on it. And I'd never done an event before, but I'd been an entrepreneur, leveraged technology heavily, and had a good friend, Mike DeWeese, who used to run Cincy Music. He was a great programmer. He helped us build a database to manage and run it. And um, and then that's kind of what happened. And, and I got, I mean, after that dot-com bubble burst, I actually closed my company, and I took a year off, and that's when I did Midpoint. And then I was like, oh, amount of money and you know I, I took a job at Convergis because they were trying to start internal like computer based training which is what my former company had done and there was a whole other story behind you know then Convergis decided to buy a company out in San Francisco and so my department became redundant and they cut the department and that's when a friend was like you know there's this job that someone's going to have to like manage Fountain Square and program it and I think my, a combination of my technology background and my event background and being an entrepreneur, because really I was like, here are the keys to the square. Good luck. Bye. Yeah. Oh, remember the underwriting we told you about? You no longer have it. You know? <laughs> and that was, that was how Free I started the wolves, huh? Yeah, that's exactly what they the did. The Midpoint Music Festival is fascinating to me because that's this, it's, it's a very similar model to what other cities do for stand-up comedy festivals. Yeah. And I've always wanted to see that succeed here. And Brouhaha has been the closest thing we've ever had to a comedy festival of, yeah. of bringing in people of all different talent levels. But it's so focused on just saw your point in those you know couple days. But... But like you said, you know, we have so many venues here that could accommodate, like, the comedy clubs that could have the, um, you know, just the everyday comic, quote-unquote. And then you've got the small theaters that could handle sketch. And then you've got the bigger theaters where you could bring in some bigger names. And yeah. and I've seen it succeed in other cities, and that's exactly what I've wanted to see happen here. Yeah, so the, so the city's never seen anything like Midpoint uh, no. at, at that point. No. Uh, you know, in every, every – how many bars – 10, 15 bars had shows. Yeah, the uh, first year I think we had 12 venues. The biggest midpoint ever was, and I know, you know, there were stuff thrown around, oh, this was the biggest one. That's all bull. 2005 we had 280 artists and we had 18 venues. Wow. That was the biggest midpoint music festival. And it encourages all the fans to, you know, walk around OTR, explore the city. Yeah. Uh, it's just so cool. And then you know they moved it to Washington Park for one year. Oh, and see, that was, was like, that was Mimi. Yeah, they just. I know. You know, this is the one thing I don't care. They just don't know what they're doing. Uh, that that organization, I, and I and if you were reading about the the venue, you know the venue that's supposed to take place at the banks. Oh yeah. You know that's I was so ticked off about that because it was Scott Steinecker from Promo West. I actually brokered the initial meeting he had with Mayor Cranley and Willie Carden. Because he wanted to open a venue down in Cincinnati like he has in Pittsburgh and, and Columbus. And they said, you should do it at the banks. 
So he spends all this time and money, and then the symphony caught wind of it, and they didn't want that because they make money on River Bend. Yeah, on on that boring, redundant, lame program. The symphony and they puts do. that stuff on. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, they own it. Yeah, they own the, it. The Tafts sold them that chunk of land to build the amphitheater. Uh, inspired by Blossom in Cleveland. Yeah. Shout out to Cleveland. Um, I was inspired by every town. So they, uh, they, <laughs> the well, Blossom was like the first to do that, and I don't know the other ones are kind of rubbishy concrete. Columbus tore theirs down, but I digress. Yeah. I'm sorry. Anyway. So, so you know, the symphony st- suddenly starts running around crying, and everyone's, you know, whatever, just saying, you know, we we can't have this. This is going to hurt us. You know. We, if if someone's good, if there's going to be a music venue, we have to be the the ones that run it. So all these guys on the steering committee, they're all big donors to the symphony, and they just strung Promo West along for two years until the symphony could get their act together and submit a bid. Oh wow! This was an, could you imagine? So here comes a guy. He's fully funded. We could have had a music venue by now, and um, he's already made an investment by buying a majority stake in in Bunbury. And then and then what do we do? We we put together this this whole ruse that the, now it's going out to bid and it was it we all they always knew who they were going to pick and the building that they have picked is awful it looks like a 1970s church it's just awful they're not going to do the kind of outdoor programming that Promo West would have done yeah they're definitely not good at booking they don't they have no sense of the industry but for whatever reason you know whatever the symphony wants the symphony gets so it's a done deal huh yeah it's it's a bunch of bull huh. That is depressing. It is. So, is there a, is there a, a, some other place Promo West could go, or do they just not want to even compete well, with it? I don't now, think or? Promo West is definitely finished, and they might get their venue built somewhere close by before the symphony does, because the banks is a mess. Newport, and uh, and West I hope End. they do, and I think they could game set match. It's just that the city of Cincinnati itself will probably lose out on some great tax revenue, yeah. and having an app, you know, I mean, this what is a perfect just, spot to put it. Yeah, I oh. mean, man. It's typical. I saw some of the drawings. I, I think I saw the Promo West one, too. Uh, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. Like, right at the foot of the Bengals Stadium. And, yeah, it's like the final piece there. of that puzzle between the two stadiums. And it's that, you know, because you go to a place like Pittsburgh, yeah. and you're like, this is what it's supposed yeah. to look He's, like. You have somebody who has done this in two other markets, very <clears throat> Close by, like similar to Cincinnati. funded, doesn't yeah. it? Not ask, you're not going to be able to, you know, the symphony's a non-profit, so they don't pay admissions tax. So we lose all that revenue. They're going to book it more frequently than the symphony will. So you're losing more revenue and parking revenue. When you start to add it up, you realize, I mean, this is just this cronyism that goes on in this town. And it's so hard to bust through it. I mean, WLW had one of those incompetent council members on, Anne, what's her, Anne Murray or whatever her name is, talking about this. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't understand the industry, but she's going to decide this. She's one of the people that's ultimately going to rubber stamp this thing. Wow. So I'm calling LW like, I want to talk. Let me talk. <laughs> I know the true story behind this. I understand this industry. Let me talk. So I finally get on the air with with one of them and um, uh, Sloan Sloney. And uh, friend of the show. I I'm I know well, he's not going to be after this, but <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, I want to talk about this. Is this what I say? He's like, Well, I, I don't know if I we can say some of this stuff. The symphony's a big supporter. And I'm like, you're part of the problem. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, this town, we've got some... Huh. I mean, I, I've I've had my issues ever since I started at 3CDC, and I started working on the square, 
and the counterintuitiveness of like how things work, you know, like the, the people who get smacked down really have great ideas and are not like requiring a lot of assets or help and are trying to move us in a great direction. And then there's this invisible hand. And if you don't believe it, I'm telling you, it's, it exists. Huh. Who, who suddenly that project gets killed, that permit gets denied, you can't get the coverage, you're not getting the interviews, whatever it might be. Or the real. opposite sometimes where it's like people with failing businesses yeah. get bailed out time, time and, and time, time again. again. Like Mimi. Because think about it. You've just taken, we know what Riverbend, we know what that facility looks like, right? It's a dump. We know what the booking looks like, right? Okay, now let's talk about the events that Mimi has done. What happened to Tall Stacks? What happened to Jammin' on Main? What happened to the River River Throwdown that they did? Look what they did to Midpoint. When I, when I If I would have yeah. known City Beat would have sold that to Mimi, I would have never allowed it. Like, I should have had something in the contract that said, never sell to Mimi. They <laughs> killed it. So Jammin' on Main was big, right? Yeah. It was. They had the Roots one year, I feel like, maybe. I think yeah. John Mayer did it one year. There was some, I mean... And, and the guy running it still has his job. Not only that, they just gave him a new facility down on the river. It's just unbelievable. There you go. I feel See, like that was I'm just, right now, like, all I'm doing is I'm just killing my career more and more. I don't know. <laughs> hey, but we all love Cincinnati, and that's why we're here. We're trying to... You're passionate. This yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got beef with people that, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're, like, I, like, you know, Darren and I especially, uh, whether it's social media or this podcast or just in conversations where it's like, I want to call out some really big companies or names and just be like, yes. what is wrong with you? Yeah. Why aren't you working with us? Why are you working with this company instead of us? Can't you see that we're, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, nope, I'll just, yeah. But that's why, I mean, if you've noticed the last several events that I've done, Bellwether, the Pivot Esports event, the Kentucky's Edge Bourbon event coming to Covington, they're not in Cincinnati. And, and there's a reason for that. Like, I've hit my head against that wall way too many times. So let's talk about some fun stuff. So Midpoint, like, what's a, what are some of the bands that maybe when you booked them were, like, uh, maybe people hadn't heard of, but now, like, someone could go back and say, I could have seen so-and-so at Midpoint. Gosh, you know, that's a tough one to answer. It's so long, like, in, in my brain, 2002 through 2007. And, and all the bands. And I can't even... <laughs> The, the better story is really the first year of Bunbury when, um, you know, Imagine Dragons, we booked. They played, they played Bunbury in 2012. They were walking around. You could have met them, had them sign your CD, and they wrote a song when they were at Bunbury. You know, the guys were just oh, super wow. cool, and, and uh, we booked them for nothing that first year, and then they just blew up. That's probably one of the biggest stories I've seen of a band. And I think 21 Pilots is another one. Oh, yeah. They were getting pretty yeah. hot. And that first year they played Bunbury, that was a big crowd. And that was when the lead singer, like, climbed the, climbed the yeah. scaffolding. Yeah. Knocked over the piano, I remember. So when you and, see um, something like that, are you like, holy <laughs> shit, get down. Like, yeah. I don't have insurance yeah. for this. We, well, we have sure insurance, but that would pretty much end your event. <laughs> yeah. We, we were covering the show, Hannah and I, for Pop Culture Beast. And uh, they were one of the bands that reached out to us. And we said, we'd love to talk to 21 Pilots. Sure. Never heard a peep from them uh, when they got here. And that was right when they were blowing up. I mean, you couldn't have planned it more perfectly yeah. for, for that band. Uh, um, Saturday afternoon, uh, yeah, tore the place up in a good way. Yeah. No one got rowdy or anything. But, yeah. It was, yeah, just... but so, they were also like really, th those two guys are uh, pretty generous with their time. 
because that first year we would we used to do performances in VIP, and um, we asked them. They were not under contract. They weren't going to get paid. We said, "Hey, would you come into the VIP tent, well, play for like session. ten or fifteen minutes?" And sh they did. Wow. They did. And and you know you've got artists who are like that. The Walk the Moon guys are like that. You know, and then you have some people who have no right and they act like you know what doesn't stink and oh, I'm um, sure everything in between I'd you should publish the writers <laughs> I'm sure you've seen some crazy stuff the cool thing about f the festival world is you really don't deal with the rider too much because it is a festival play it's not like they're coming into a venue loading in and, and they have to have everything it's like we're already set up production is pretty much in place we have a tent you know we're, we already have catering for you what is the absolute what is what can you not live without and we'll provide that in your dressing room but it doesn't work uh, quite the same way as a concert huh. so we i mean we get them but everything gets struck through like when we get contracts tbd tbt we're just striking every page because it's it's really the uh, talent buyer and the agent just set the date and the price and the time that's all they care about and then they leave it up to the guy who's advancing and the tour manager to sort out the the details I can't imagine. Now, I've definitely got a new appreciation for what you do from watching the uh, the fire fire <laughs> fest on on Netflix. I'm like, dang! I mean that. I mean, being a serial entrepreneur like yourself, you 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 probably know plenty of people like that. Uh, the, Billy, the, the Billy guy, or yeah, whatever. just like talking a big game, and we got all this money back in this and this great idea, and then at the end of the day, there's just zero execution. <laughs> Yeah, we saw it a lot. Actually, when I was managing the square, we we handled the permitting for the square, and you would have people take out their permit and talk about their event, and and I had some really weird experiences with promoters who um, suddenly were looking to almost what's the word I'm looking for? They tried to almost like irritate us so we would cancel the event for them. You know what I mean? If they could needle us enough where we we're like, okay, you're not holding your event, then they could be like, see, I couldn't do the event because, you know, sorry it didn't work out sponsors, sorry it didn't work out investors, but they kicked us out. But we just wouldn't do it. <laughs> you can tell when someone's looking to use you as a scapegoat. Yeah, they still want to get paid for not doing it. Yeah. So this might be a ridiculously obvious question, but are you a big music guy? Because you said you know you're looking to book these things. Is it your decision, and do you or do you have people with different tastes that kind of? Because especially with Bunbury and I guess with Midpoint too, pretty good variety of you know bands and artists and music styles. Well, everything was a little different. Uh, Bunbury really was used. A lot of people still to this day don't believe it, but we had a pretty sophisticated judging system, and it was it was based off. I, I, I had a girlfriend. She was a beverage chemist. And so they would do blind tastings and they had a methodology for trying to get accurate, like what do people think of things and not being influenced by other things. And so I applied that to like a, an electronic press kit system. So judges would randomly receive press kits and they would listen and judge and then there, and then it would go randomly to another judge and uh. they would not see what the other one had done. And then we took the best scores. We started at the top of the list until we booked all the slots. And bands, if there was too great a disparity, Sean and I would go in and put up the thumbs up or thumbs down on those bands. And hey, I mean, there was, into the third year, my band didn't get selected. So I didn't play. <laughs> um, so that's how we did Midpoint. Uh, Bunbury, on the other hand, 
In those first years, I worked with Niederlander. They were my talent buyer. They, they do U.S. Oh, yeah, Bank yeah. Arena. So we sat down and we kind of talked about the budget and the vision and you have to look at who's available and what's in your price range and you want to kind of tell a story. You can't have, like Bunbury made the mistake later on, we had like a hip-hop night and an EDM night and a rock. That just doesn't work. You can have EDM and hip-hop, but what is your overriding, We're all, it's an alternative rock and pop festival. That's what it is. So if you got bands that do a crossover, you want to throw in a couple hip-hop artists or something, that'll work. That's when we sell the most tickets. So, you know, Niederlander and I would just sit down and talk about it and throw out some ideas, and we would start pitching bands. And I think in that first year, I don't think a lot of people even realize. I mean, Jane's Addiction, Weezer, and Death Cab for Cutie were the headliners. Mm -hmm. We had a hundred over 100 artists that first year, and you could have bought a three-day pass for $92. And had you gone to the kickoff event the year prior and kept your coupon code, you could have gotten in for 50% off. Yes. <laughs> so really that's how it worked. It was more of a vision and then you have to see what's out there and you try to fit it close to your vision. And and in 2014 we really, that was just a cluster. That was just a bad... Was that was, Black Keys? No, the, the Black Keys was the year after. And that was when it was, it, we're having a tough time booking in 2014 and that's when it made sense to bring in a bigger independent promoter who had more leverage in the marketplace because I, I became target practice for some of the bigger companies. They were just buying out bands from under me and knew I was pursuing a band for a headliner and they would just yank them out of there and offer them, put them on a tour that would happen throughout you know, the summer and I would lose them. And so it was, it was getting really hard. <clears throat> with Bellwether... I work with a guy who does Daryl's house in New York. Oh yeah. And we have we talk a lot about what that's going to look like, but I still defer to him and he's coming to me kind of like whittling it down. Like this is what I'm thinking and and I'll have some insight about this market because things are a little ahead in their market compared to ours, you know, what people are listening to and and stuff like that. So it really just depends. Um, and I'm not I mean, I think there are guys in town like, you know, everyone knows Dan McCabe, and I think Dan's biggest gift is he, he really has an ear for what's coming. Whether he likes it or not, he just knows, like, this is going to be a big band. Trust me, these guys are going to be big. And then sure enough, you know, Alabama Shakes is playing Motor, and then, yeah. you know, they're, they're playing support and big festivals uh, less than two years later. So He booked the Southgate house for a long time. Oh, right? yeah. Didn't yeah. you see... Well, before the White that, Stripes or something. Yeah, there were all With, those bands that. Yeah, came. White Stripes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's him and Chris. And before Felix. that, he was doing sure. Sudsy Malone's in Clifton. Question. Oh. So you're not you're not connected with Bunbury anymore, right? You. No, I'm a I'm a minority to... owner, okay. and I'm still involved in in some of the day to day. Okay. Not as much of a role as I used to have, or I did. Now that I've they've been doing it for for some time, so I'm still an owner and I'm still involved. Gotta ask. We've got the 1975 here, May. 12th, 15th. Yeah. Two weeks later, we have him headlining Bunbury. Yeah, I'm not thrilled about that. Right now, Patrick and I, were we were honing in on a band, and I won't say the name of the band, and I won't ruin it for the festival, even though it's Forecastle and I don't like them, but <laughs> um, <laughs> we were honing in on a, gr a great headliner for Bellwether, and then it was like, oh, by the way, they're going to be playing, you know, Forecastle three weeks sooner, four weeks sooner. Is that okay with you? No. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I mean, you do have some bands that are so big that they'll sell out no matter where yeah. they go. 
and there are not many of them, and, and, but I, I still want my lineup to be very, very different. If that third band down or that fourth band down played Forecastle or Bunbury, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But I don't want my headliner or undercard playing in the same, even though like Bunbury is over 60 days out. I mean, there's a reason my second effort is over 60 days out from Bunbury. I don't want to disrupt my first kid, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, but I don't even want to book those bands. I mean, I'm a 1975 stand, so I have to pick a band that's going to be here, you know, yeah. two weeks later. That'd probably be the top of my list. I just, we just thought it was really strange. We thought this must be a typo. They must use the template from a couple of years ago. <laughs> no, yes, I told Darren, I'm like, this is a typo. This is, there's, we're not getting them two weeks later. Yeah. Let's see them again. I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. Well, what you're really hoping, I think there's a couple things that everyone, like, is at work here. The first is, on the industry as a whole, these bands, especially at the high end, if you've noticed some of the lineups, all over, like the Coachella lineup, bad. Bonnaroo, bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's because the big names have finally asked for too much. Where all of us are saying, you guys are full of crap. We're not going to have anything left if we pay you this. I mean, some of these bands are asking for as much as like our entire booking budget for Bunbury. On one band. It's like, I'm wow. sorry, but you're not getting everything. I mean, we in million dollar figures yet? Oh for, my God. For one set? Past that. Really? Past that. Bands like Foo Fighters and stuff like that, those guys are getting two and a half, three million. Wow. Holy cow. So, um, for festival plays. And so, what's happening is a lot of these, a lot of these then larger festivals are going down a notch to where we used to feed and probably paying them more, which is just going to exacerbate the problem. Now, those bands are going to think they should be paid more. You know? So, it's, it's messing with the whole ecosystem so that's a big problem you know i think the the other issue is is bunbury's a festival and you you know 1975 are going to be playing a concert they're different things you know there's a reason reason why weezer sold more tickets at riverbend when they played recently than when they played bunbury even though it was because Going to a concert, I love the band, I'm going to the show. And it's a very short time commitment, right? You know exactly what you're getting. I'm going to show up an hour beforehand, I'm going to have a couple beers, I'm going to leave. A festival is about an experience. It's about your brand, and someone's going to spend money, and they're going to spend the whole day with you. And a lot more money during the day with you. So what we have to hope is there are enough people who go, you know what, for a little bit more, I can spend my day at Bunbury I can see a lot more music. This is a much better experience, especially, I think, than the other show is going to be, you know, and that I'd rather do that than go see it here. And then you do have, of course, you'll have fans who are just like, I don't care, I love them so much, I'm going on both days. What about the bands at the lower end? Do they they solicit to be at the festival or like like the Rex or Friendship or, you know, people like that? Are they... They coming to you, or do you scout them out and say, "Well, they're a that's a good Saturday afternoon band. Yeah, let's go after these the, guys." The agents were really pushing most of that. Um, okay. If you want to be, if you're a band and you want to get into a festival, you need an agent, and an agent that's you know William Morris, CAA. You know, you need you need the agent. Now we do have an acoustic stage. Um, we used to do more of it when I was running it, but. Now at least we have an acoustic stage, and we do have an open call for submissions, and we do listen to every single band, and then we pick we pick the bands that we like the best to be there. So there is a slight showcasing opportunity within Bunbury, but really, you know, uh, Adam, who, who's up at Promo West, 
who's the one and he and Scott who do most of the booking now, you know, between the clubs in Columbus and the club in Pittsburgh. So all the bands he sees that are going through there and the agents, that's, that's how it's getting, that's how it's getting booked. Okay. What was the biggest band that got away? The your, biggest band that got away. You're almost ready Radiohead. to sign. Really? Wow. Radiohead. Oh man. Darren. Yeah. Radiohead. <laughs> they, they wanted, they had said, that they wanted to do more boutique events like ours and and understood that in order to do that their price would have to change and we're like getting very excited about that but then they came back with the number and it's like that's still not enough <laughs> i'm like that's more that's still more than half the bu- bu- budget we still have to get two other headliners support across you know like once you start adding it all up it's like if i spend that much on just that one slot i can't finish booking this event and yeah, we would sell it out, but um, you would be paying. You'd you'd still lose a lot of your profits because you'd go, you'd gone so far over your booking budget. You know. What about when you see like Jack White does a show in a bowling alley, or Marshmallow does a show <laughs> for on Fortnite? Fortnite. Yeah. yeah, like t- does that. Like, how does that make you feel as somebody? And then knowing what they will ask you to pay them I know. If, if you want them to do your event. Well, I guess what you have to remember is in, in a lot of those situations, well, I'm sure Marshmallow got paid a fortune. Or he's just so into Fortnite that it's a passion for him, you know? And artists <laughs> are going to so have funny. their... It's yeah, It is hilarious. They're going to have their passions or their pet projects or they're doing things that aren't really financially benefiting anyone else. So they really don't mind. And actually, I don't mind it so much... Um, because if you do get lucky enough to get an artist like Jack White, he has done so many unique things and has touched people in so many ways musically that that's why he sold, helped sell out Bunbury. You know, he helped sell out Bunbury because he does that gig in the bowling alley. Yeah. That's, that's what made him special. I'd rather do that than the bands that don't want to do anything, who don't want to engage their fans at all, who won't do anything on social or help you or do a phoner. You know, those people... They're they're not, they're not. I'd rather, I'd much rather. It's it's worth the money to spend on Jack White because of that. Yeah, I'm fascinated when I hear people don't want to do media and that sort of thing. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> welcome to my world. They, <laughs> yeah. Like I was surprised that Blink tweeted out that they canceled before you guys even formally announced that they were even going to be there in the first yeah. place. Well, that was a you know that was a mistake. I, I had a bad feeling when they said we'll be back next year. I I didn't believe that not for a second. Oh, nobody did. <laughs> when, when you understand how these agents and bands work, I, ha- I have a, I have a funny story to tell, and I can, I can, make it you know PG rated. So, someone was talking. Don't, don't do yeah. it on our behalf. Somebody, <laughs> somebody was talking about how hard it is, you know, to work with agents, and that every discussion they have with an agent starts at no. And I said, really? Agents, when you're talking to agents, they start at no. Usually with me, they start with F you. And I try to, <laughs> and I try to work to no. And even though I've signed a contract that I never get back, I'm assuming it's a maybe until they finally walk on the stage. At any point in time, an artist can pull out and they'll refund your money. If you decide to cancel them, you still owe them money. I mean, it's so it's so one sided. It's so one way. Jeez. And and I know that sometimes the band doesn't know all of this, but it, I'm telling, it's just a nasty, <laughs> dirty <Yeah>. business. 
It just is. Yeah, and that's why, man. like, I'm glad Patrick, who does the booking, deals with all that stuff. I don't have to deal with that. That ridiculousness, you know, of people not doing what they'll say they'll do. Just How many years did you deal with it? Uh, up until, what, 2015? No, that's the cool thing is, is really Niederlander. Niederlander did all that. Did all of it. And thank God, I mean, uh, Steve and Ian, they have the patience for it, you know. And and now at Promo S, Scott and Adam, they have the patience for it. And Patrick has the patience for it. it and it's probably better because if I got one-on-one with the agent, then, like, those agencies would never work with me again. <laughs> so. I love how I love how the, the festival... Even if you, even if you're not doing it on purpose, it, it turns you on to bands you may not have ever seen before. Yeah. Like, I I think it was. Uh, well, I just had it on here. It's 2014. Empire of the Sun. That their show, like visually, was incredible. Right. It it bombed here though. No one no one wanted yeah. to see the show. You, I mean, it was incredible, and we tried tried to tell people even if this isn't your kind of music come see the show the production is off the hook yeah didn't care i remember that i saw that guy he the sleepy jackson was at tickets in covington probably 2003 or 4 there were it was like a, upstairs there was probably six or seven people in the crowd he was all pissed off like he went through went through his his act or whatever but then yeah then he started doing this empire of the sun thing a couple years later uh, and then you had to see him come and you know headline Bunbury was was that, hilarious. That show would have sold out in L.A. or New York or Chicago or something. Oh yeah, it, it would have definitely it, that year. That's the thing that was 2014 visually from Empire of the Sun show, and then you had um, Andrew Paramore and Fallout Boy, <laughs> yeah. which brought a ton of production and put on great shows, and then the Flaming Lips. So we oh, really. Yeah. Because we were trying to find what's the common theme. It was let's put on a really production-heavy show where, you know, everything from the pyrotechnics to lasers to confetti, it was all there. And Cincinnati just didn't respond to that at all. I feel like that was, that happened a lot in, like, early 2000s. Or Southgate House, you would... I'd, like, hear... uh was the band The Cloud Room. Uh, I listened to on uh, uh, Woxie. On their, their online, and they're like, oh, you know, they'd play this song. Yeah, it's a catchy tune. Hey, they're coming to the Southgate house. Cool Tuesday night, nothing to do. Show up, there'd be 10 people there. And you just feel so bad for some of these bands that came through. And you're just like, man, I just wish, you know, sometimes Cincinnati would represent more on the, the lower level stuff, which I think we're probably coming around on. Well, I mean, I've probably gotten out of touch too ever since I've gotten married and had kids, and I'm not going out on Tuesdays. So maybe I'm. Well, I think the I'm Woodward's the doing a good now. job of that, yeah, right? That's I mean, Dan. That's Dan yeah. Cape. So there's some good stuff. I think there'll In be motor, some new stuff coming. But yeah, that that 2014 year too, you had bands like Cape the Elephant, Young the Giant, Fits oh, yeah. in the Tantrums. You start laying Baruch out these, Assault. Yeah, and people. Yeah, I, love I don't understand. I mean, I guess I just needed to book Poison and like Motley Crue or something. <laughs> Jimmy yeah. Buffett for all three Jimmy nights. Jimmy Buffett, it, it would have showed up. And I I'm do just, love <laughs> listening to the comments. Like, <laughs> it took a long time to get you know Bunbury to sell out. It should have been, it should have been a sellout in the first year. Definitely by the third year, it took seven years to get that to sell. Heartless oh, bastards. Wow. You're a big fan yeah, of the Heartless yeah. Bastards. Yeah. We're gonna sell it out this year. Well, I think so. I mean. I, I hope so. I, you just don't know. Because what inevitably happens is you have a year and you had a certain sound or an overwhelming vibe. 
And then if your next year you don't have that, it's it's slightly, you know, it's changed. Some people feel like they've been, you know, abandoned. Oh, yeah. You know, and they're just like, I can't believe you're doing this to me, and I don't like any of these bands. And <laughs> The comments are like, ridiculous. Oh, my God. It's just, it's like, I guarantee you, if we play in the alternative space, and you can't see that many bands for that price and if you spend some time down there even bands you might think you don't like seeing their live show can be all the difference in the world that's been the case with me Coldplay I mean I know this is going to be really boring bands but Taylor Swift Train (laughs) (laughs) Josh is the musical (laughs) John Legend who else who else is on here all the all the all the pop pop folks (laughs) But in the same vein, though, it was like like people that I didn't think I cared for, seeing them perform and and the, with the right production, I'm like, yeah, girl talks really on your radar. Girl talk, and that was thanks to you back in the day when we first started. You used yeah. to play girl talk in our uh, in our old shop in Dayton, Kentucky, and I got on board with that guy immediately. Right. Yeah, that'll be a good one to see. Which is, let me ask you that, like, uh, you've got him booked for the festival this year. As a musician, like, do you recognize the art form over the, you know, the issues he's had with, like, copyright claims of, you know, making money off of, quote-unquote, you know, just using other people's yeah. music? No, I... Because I, I do think it's an art form, personally, but I'm not a musician. I, I think if I booked just what I wanted to see, I would, wouldn't sell that many tickets, you know? You, you kind of got to get over that. It's more about, for me at least, when, when we created Bunbury, I mean, it was very, we had, a, we had our brand mantra. Like, what is, it, what, was, what is it that we will always be? Like, what's our essence? And I chose the word authentic. And in, in that I never wanted to see, like, a boy band or, or Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber. I don't want that. Like, I wanted to be people who are really creative, working artists, writing music, you know, I wanted to be authentic. And then who is our audience? And I said, our audience is musical, not musicians, not fans, musical. In other words, they are really into music. It's important to them. And it's not just casual listening. They know about bands. They, you know, they're, they're excited to, they follow them. They're, they're into what they're doing. And then what is it that they're looking for? What's your audience looking for? I wanted it to be escape. That's what they're, can we get away from the world for a while? And that's why, if you notice, like, during elections, you don't see, like, the Democrats or Republican booths there or environmental booths or any of that stuff. Because I don't want people to feel guilty for one minute. I want them to come in and enjoy music and have some beer and eat some food. And buy some t-shirts. Buy some t-shirts. I don't want them, I don't want to suddenly get people all riled up about a political subject and polarizing the Absolutely. So Bunbury is an authentic musical escape. That's yeah. what I wanted to create. That's why the tagline is "Be Free," yeah. and that's why and the the Bunbury Bee and it all flows from there. So, and that was the cool thing when you know, I think Promo West when when they took the event over, I you know it's like I talked a lot about what that brand is, and they know what that brand is, and and they like that brand too. That was part of the appeal, and they've been consistent with it as well. Can so, you talk about the origin of the name? The the where did Bunbury come from? Yeah. And, it's kind of fun. I'd been looking for a name for a couple of years because I, I really started working on the event in 2010 and took out a permit for that kickoff event in 2011 before the actual one in 2012. 
And I was looking for a name, looking for a name. I'm at a play. I'm watching my niece and nephew in a play, The, uh, the Importance of Being Earnest. And uh, there's a character in the play who talks about his friend Bunbury. And really, he's just an imaginary friend that he uses to get out of boring, like, public situations. So the character's always up. Oh, I just heard word from Bunbury that he needs me here. All right, everybody, I'm out. You know, leaves. Leaves uh. the party. And uh, I was like, what a great word, Bunbury, Bunbury. Well, it's, it's become more than just a name of the character. It now means an excuse to get out of doing something boring. And that was like, that's it. That's the name. That's great. And then, <laughs> God, I love that story so much. And then, and then my wife, like, I'm trying to come up with an icon or a figure, and I'm like, maybe it's an animal. What's it going to be? And my wife, she's right. She, she's a writer, and she's all about you know poetry and stuff and alliteration. Bunbury bee. You know, she's like, it's got to be a bee. And that was it. God, that was it. It all just. It's just amazing how, um, how things get their name and how they. The stories behind them are sometimes pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah a lot of people don't know where Cincy shirts came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing those billboards like on 71 as soon as you come into the town there. like There's like Bunbury and the Bee and everyone's just kind of like, what, what is this? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and that's kind of amazing too is like, okay, yeah, everybody's, oh yeah, let's put on a festival, let's do this. But then like, you know, to... To know who to talk to, to lease, you know, Sawyer Point for that weekend, and to, you know, how many how many portalettes you need to have, how many, you know, bottles of water to have on, you know, just all the details that are not anything related to, you know, what 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 got you there to begin with, or what was kind of like the the biggest unforeseen circumstance or uh, or anything kind of like, I don't know, take you by surprise that. I'm sure you've had floods. To, yeah, yeah lost the river stage that one year. Well, I'll tell you. We, yeah, I can't say that we ha- we ha- we have one year we had something weird happen. But you know, you're building a small city for a weekend, and I cut my teeth on Midpoint, and then you know, we, me and a small staff produced hundreds of events of years on Fountain. You know, hundreds of events a year on Fountain Square. So we got to understand all the laws and who the vendors are that we're going to work with from your portalette rentals to generators to all that stuff, you know, and tents. And, and I spent a lot of time walking that park and walking that park because it's a great, from the audience's point of view, it's a great park, lots of shade, little vignettes and everything. From producing an event, it stinks. <laughs> it's not ideal. It's, it's, you're battling that layout. And that's what I remember some people were like, how can it sell out? It holds so many people. I'm like, correction, <laughs> it holds so many people, production, toilets, beer stands. And you you can only, ha- like once, like, okay, we got 20,000 people here. We need so many portalettes. So suddenly you've lost a lot of real estate to get more people in, you know? And if you start chipping away at food stands and beverage stands and portalettes, then you've got longer lines for everything, which would be a nightmare. So you've got to, you know, you've got to find that balance. The, the big surprise that we had, but once again, I kind of saw it coming, was um, on that first Friday in 2015 with the, when the Black Keys were playing and we were just bombarded by everyone. They came early. Everyone came early that day. And Promo West had made some changes because, you know, I used to open up two hours prior to music um, because I just was always like, we just don't know. And you would have, you had lines, you know, forming that would go up the Purple People Bridge. So if we could get open two hours early, you're, you're getting all those new people in early. 
and uh, you know the people who like to show up first, you can get them in, and then you're, the rest of your crowd comes in. It's an easy day. They decided to go to an hour, and you know when they bought the event, we had a different ticketing company, and instead of combining the tickets, transporting them all to Ticketmaster, it was like we'll we'll have two ticket. We'll allow the existing tickets to come in, and we'll scan them as well, and then. We used to do a single wristband that was also your drinking wristband, but they wanted a second wristband for that. So we only have an hour, and we're dealing with two ticketing systems. And putting two wristbands on people. And we're putting two wristbands on people, and we're getting a good, a big crowd showing up. And it was just a free-for-all with people trying to get in, and we just had to pool volunteers and open up some of the fence that was meant for just like emergency exits and just started taking tickets and putting wristbands on people and getting getting them in as fast as we can. So um, I always, I like to err on the side of, of caution with, with crowds, you know, because you really aren't in control of that audience. Like everyone, you, you'll see some police and you'll see some security and yes, there's fencing and there's barricades, but you do not control that audience. <laughs> They've spent money because they want to see the band so they'll behave themselves, you know? You do not want to give them a reason to misbehave. <laughs> you know? Sure. You just don't want to irritate the masses because they can just decide whatever. And we've I've seen... I mean, have you been up to Lollapalooza since they... Uh, Huge crowds just, they just mashed down the fencing. They just, it was like an invasion. They took over the whole event site. Now when you go there, it looks like a prison. They've got these like 16-foot steel walls as a second perimeter to keep people from trying to push over the gates like they did a couple years ago. Wow. So making sure you've got enough people and, you know, sometimes it's like, Bill, we had too many people parking. We had too many people at gates. We had... It's better if you don't have enough. That's a problem, you know. For sure. So I know this is always my shoehorn into comedy, but I know Rock on the Range and Bonnaroo and those places have added stand-up comedy to their events. Has there ever been talk of doing it at Bunbury? Well, I've thought about it. I'm actually thinking about doing it uh, one of the nights at Bellwether. Not part of the festival experience, but as a camper's experience. Comedy really, I think it, it needs to be done right. Um, I've seen it fail because there's something about a more intimate environment. Yes. And people, have, you know that they've been drinking and they're loosened up a little bit. And you you get them warmed up a bit. Usually with someone who's intentionally bad, so it makes the comedians look better. You know, there's all these things that go into positioning a comedian for success. Yep. So unless you can do that, and I know how Rock in the Range um, has done it, and they, I think they've figured that out, then I think it's something worth exploring. The, but the real problem with Bunbury is there's not Space. much footprint. Now, there is a there's a concept that I've been working, which I think we can add a, another third, like scale it by a third and have more people in another stage. But we need to see more consistent sellouts to commit to that. Like the things you see at big festivals, like after parties or these other things, it's when they've kind of reached capacity and now they're looking for those little bit of extra things to generate some more revenue or bring a few more people to it or whatever. And we need that consistency, I think, before we see those things. Are those events like that are just going to like would sell out even before they announce the lineup type events? Mm-hmm. They've had a long history of 
of selling out. So they're they they're fine to tinker with stuff. You know, we we have to be careful what we do. We're at that. We're I think we're at that tipping point. We had our first sellout last year. I think we can do that again or get really close. And you get a couple more years like that, then then you once again that means you've built your brand, right? And people just like. I don't care who the bands are. It's Bunbury. I want to go to Bunbury, you know, yeah. and, and I'm buying my ticket. It's Once we have atmosphere. people like that, then we can explore and try things because they're not going to be like, oh, my God, what's this? You got rid of the acoustic stage and you have comedians. I'm never coming back. <laughs> you know, that that kind of stuff happens. That's a Blink-182 canceled. Are you going to refund my money? Uh-huh. Like, wait a minute. We never told you Blink-182 was <laughs> yeah. even coming in the first place. <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, we you get some, you get some crazy uh, stuff like that. For <laughs> I just sure. love that. Like I have such a, it's such a mainstream taste in music, but it is spread out on genres, and that's what I've always loved about Bunbury is that I feel like there's something for even me who's not the music snob as much as there is the, you know, people like him who are more music snob yeah. than I am. Yeah. And I say that out of jealousy, not out of, like, <laughs> making fun. Oh, gosh. Uh, the, those apt two o'clock bands that we call them, always, always fun. Always a great place to discover new bands if you yeah. haven't heard. Yeah. yeah. That's where we like to get there early, you know. Well, that was, in 2015, I think one of the things that kind of contributed to that problem, Wussy played. They opened the, the event, and a lot of people went to their stage to see their set. They were a two o'clock band in 2015. And, yeah, I... I've been very impressed by some of those two o'clock bands. And, um, you know, I, I remember going to Lola and seeing, even though it's definitely not as full, you know, when, like when it's later in the day, when, when it's just packed in there and you can't get anywhere, but there were good crowds in front of the stages to see some of those early bands. And I think getting there early is, is definitely worthwhile for that reason. You're not fighting as many people. You can get really close to the stage. It's cool to be, if you can't get close to the big stages, it's cool to see the production. I think it's cool to see the array, oh, yeah. to get up and see what that soundboard looks like, to see you know, everything that's involved to make it go is, I think, entertaining in and of itself. And So if you get there early and get up close to the stage and check it out, I think it's worth it. And some of these, like I was saying, Imagine Dragons was an early band in Bunbury, an early band in Bunbury in 2012. And <laughs> you could have met them and they would have hung out with you and, you know, you could have bought them a beer. They would have signed anything you wanted. And so checking out some of those newer bands, you, you can have that I remember when or I knew them when or here's my selfie with them. And yeah. you know, um, Do you have a favorite Bunbury year? Honestly, for me, it was the second year, the 2013 year, because we, you know, festivals usually aren't profitable. Maybe you get profitable in year three, four, five, you know, you're really, and we got there in our second year and we got lucky. I mean, we, we booked fun before they won their Grammy and had some other good bands. Um, MGMT, which was just, oh yeah. Get you know a lot of people were excited about them and the national closed out the weekend. We had a break even year, so we I mean we got there so quickly that was that was exciting, and um, there was a good vibe and I felt like we'd worked out a lot of the things like I'm like okay now year three we know exactly what we need to do, and especially from a planning perspective a layout perspective like all these things you, it's like that third time is a charm so I thought. That second year was awesome, and we were teed up for success for the following year. The river stage is definitely super unique. I mean, even from the way they... I don't know if you guys still 
bring the semis along the the serpentine wall. Yeah, uh, in and out there. That's always Ooh. stressful to watch. I know. Those guys <laughs> pull in. I get but, nervous just looking down. The car our, booth is usually right by there. We can look over and go, wow. Yeah, but <laughs> just like you know, just looking at all wow. the people just sitting in there. It's like yeah. the Roman Colosseum or something. Everybody lined up and you have the band down there. The only problem yeah. is like you can't big too you can't book too big of a band there. Yeah. That's, yeah. Because it is limited in its capacity. But yeah, people love the the CVG stage, <laughs> that river stage, um, and it is a great vibe. And especially later at night, and you see the river boats going by and the barges or whatever. It's cool. And the boats yeah. that are always parked, you know, you're trying to get a free show in and all that. Doesn't say are you out there policing the. Hey, you didn't pay. They just can't dock. Guy on the jet ski. They're not allowed to uh-huh. dock, but they can they can be floating out there. Related question, just favorite performances. We mentioned 21 Pilots. Yeah. Uh, I still think, yeah, Foxy Shazam put on a show in in 2013 that was just off the charts. I can't remember that. I mean, play, it was They played just, forever, right? Like, the main headliner was going on, and I, they were still going. They just, I mean, they just put on a great great show so that was a lot of fun to see but i've had some moments um i remember for buckle up i was backstage and watching willie nelson play that was pretty special oh yeah the antithesis of a foxy shazam show right really low-key very almost you felt like i think people who were all the way in the back felt like they were just in his living room kind of you know yeah. or something like that yeah i noticed i was like willie he doesn't even sing he's just like on on road again can't wait to get on the road again. <laughs> like, 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 we were sitting back at our booth. I was like, "What the heck?" Like, I know he's old and he's he's getting through, but uh, but yeah, Buckle Up Fest was awesome. That I mean, yeah. the, the Friday got washed out, and people uh, still came and had a good time. Whatever, what can you do? But that Saturday was probably more lit than any uh, any Bunbury up until that point. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, any chance of that coming back? I, um, I, I think you know I, that was a. When they finished, when Promo West finished buying the event, they thought it was too close that they wouldn't have enough time to book country acts. I, I've, I was, I'm of the mindset you don't want to take a, a year away because it'll kill it, you know. And I was like, let's just do a, let's do just a one stage, you know. Even Forecastle, when they went bankrupt and AC Entertainment took over, they did a halfway to Forecastle. <clears throat> which was a scaled-down version just to keep the name and the event alive. And for the people who bought tickets, you know, there was an event. This, they decided to take that year off and then brought it back to Summit Park and then went bro country. Like, I, you know, we were doing, like, Alabama. alternative or legacy alternative up and coming. That's what I wanted to focus on. Brad Paisley, Jason Aldean, I wanted to avoid that like the plague because that's Live Nation's bread and butter, and they will destroy you. And um, that really put a hurt on... There were other things, too, that really put a hurt on that event. So no one's going to trust that brand now. Because we announced it, then it went away. We announced it again, it went away. Would you buy a ticket ahead of time? And if you have no advanced sales, what are you going to do? Cancel it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's a catch. It's just this catch-22. You'd have to be willing to, to hope that everybody becomes, comes day of. But now you're fully dependent on weather. So you, you cannot win that game. And it's a shame because I love the name. I love the branding. I love the concept. It was so cool to have it back-to-back with Bunbury. Yeah. You know, um, we wanted to keep them very different. Uh, and, I, I, by, you know, legacy artists and up-and-coming artists, 
I, I thought we, we had the right mix, and um, it would be a great one-two punch, but I don't see that ever coming back. So big things for Bellwether? Year one of Bellwether compared to year one of Bunbury. Well, it's just, you know, we're fighting a different fight out there because it is kind of a little bit out there. It's weird because people will jump in their car and drive up to Columbus to see a show, which is an hour and a half or so away, but driving 45 minutes to Waynesville, it's like, it's so far. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very confusing. We're, we're really hoping that Cincinnati, Dayton, and Columbus realize that it's a pretty short trip, whether it's you're going just for the day, and it's really cool to camp there. But, you know, we're moving it inside the Renaissance Festival grounds this year, and we're doing some cool things. Like, we actually are doing a rock and roll joust, like a legitimate joust. Whoa. Real, real horses, real jousting, but, and it's hard to explain. You'll just have to see it. <laughs> We have knights representing certain styles of music, and we'll really get the crowd involved. And really? it'll, be a, it'll be a tournament that takes place over the two days, and I think it's going to be a lot there of fun. You go. Game of Thrones fest. Totally different vibe than it, I think it was the first year, and I think the music will be solid. We hope to get the you know the lineup out in the next few weeks. You know, end of February, we're hoping we can make our lineup announcement. And stand-up comedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, as I said, Thursday night for the campers, we might do some stand-up. That's what we're thinking. There you go. Camp time. Gather around the campfire, kids. Joshy's got some jokes for you. <laughs> Here he goes. But he's right about creating that environment for comedy to succeed. I mean, it's I've done every type of possible venue for stand-up and, and outdoor Big crowds typically is not ideal. No, but but I know like Bonnaroo and Rock on the Range, like they just build like enclosed tents to yes. try to capture that a little bit of intimacy. And and I also think that putting the stage somewhere that people have to go out of their way to get to it, be, you know, it goes a long yeah. way if the audience is comprised of people who who are there on purpose. Yeah. Well, and there's a there's a reason why. Have you ever watched? You're on Netflix and you watch a comedian that you like and you watch their special and you're like, this isn't funny. But people are laughing in the audience. And that's because yeah. they got there at a certain time. There's a, an announcer doing jokes. The audience has warmed up. They've had a little bit to drink. And then they get the show. And, and if you have people coming and going and they're not, in, it just doesn't work. Comedy is a setup. It's 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 a setup in order to have it be done right. God, takes focus. Somebody gets it finally. Yep, got to yeah. brainwash the audience first. Yeah. You've got to get everyone into this <laughs> into the spirit. Like I saw Gilbert Gottfried at um, Summerfest up in Milwaukee, and he just bonded. And I've seen him before, and he is funny as hell. I mean, he can have he his can nights. bomb in a he comedy can. club too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're, that's was, a really polarizing. The audience act. was hot. <laughs> They're coming in and out. There's music playing in the background. Yeah. It's early in the day. They haven't had enough Why to drink. Are you people watching comedy <laughs> in the summertime anyway. <laughs> yeah, we crank the music up behind me. <laughs> if you ever saw, I forget who he roasted, and he followed Ice T, and he he said, I think it was Snoop Dogg maybe, and he was like, you you did my bit, and then he proceeded to do this you know hip hop like <laughs> oh, yeah. bit as as himself which sounds ridiculous you know because he here he is you know this tiny little tiny man. little man yeah, you know yeah. Jew from New York right and <laughs> and he's emulating some Brooklyn rapper yeah. he, these words have no business coming out of his yeah. mouth he's definitely <laughs> he's, not the beast he yeah. is he's great and he killed it oh that's fun well hopefully I'll I'll get a call about Bellwether. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Someday. Um, 
so do you have a do you have a list of bands you can you would go on record as saying like maybe one day Bunbury like a realistically uh, do you do you go through the comments of of what the fans say that, who they want to see and and go oh that's an interesting because we're very choice, active or, in that and yeah. my whole family is very active in that scene <laughs> I can assure you <laughs> the, the feedback is good because you get a sense of what people want but. Once again, it's it's like a funnel, right? You the, at first, it's like, is this band even touring? Are they going to tour? Yeah, you know, are they uh, even going to be out there? Well, this year, example, I yeah. mean, Sublime yeah. and Stone Temple Pilots, you know, like so. Are who, they? Yeah, yeah, are they going to tour? Do they fit who what our brand is? Do they fit with the other things that we're trying to do? Can we afford them? Are they playing too close in other markets? And you start when you start doing that and start peeling away all those layers it's you're sometimes you're you know you're like why don't you guys book so and so like i'm just going to call up the phone and say hey foo fighters Fighters. (laughs) can you come here it's just not that easy and we're a secondary market we just are you know so when coachella or lola or bonnaroo calls those artists you know and they have a history and a much bigger audience and they've got bigger budgets they're going to get first dibs you know, sometimes you get lucky. Like, we got lucky with Willie Nelson and Alison Krauss, for instance, because we probably couldn't afford them. But we happened to fall in right between their route, their, where they were routing. Oh. They were going to be in this market. They had a day free. They could be in Cincinnati, and they were going somewhere else. So they cut us a deal. You know, sometimes that you get that serendipity, and that's how you might get a band that you might not normally get or at a better price. Because they're just like, we want to, you know, we, we well, want to take advantage of this empty day. See, we're on the other side, though. We're, we're always hoping to get the, the, the up-and-coming bands that we're probably not going to get because we're a secondary market. Like this year, we wanted, you know, Wallows. We wanted Lights to come back on them. Mm-hmm. She's touring this summer or not. You know, and people like Arkells, although they've been here a ton lately. But that's who we're always kind of hoping we're going to see. And, like, you know, we'll hope the headliner's good, but, you know, we yeah. understand that part of it. But, yeah, we want to see these new bands we're getting into because we think this might be the only chance we have to see them live because they, they may or may not come to Bogarts, who know, or Southgate House. Or, yeah. Yeah. And we, you start at the headline. You have to start at the headliner. It's like a Venn diagram. You want a little bit of overlap, but not too much because you get too much, you limit your audience. If it's too far apart, like I... Like 2014 with Empire of the Sun and Fallout Boy and Flaming Lips, there was there was nothing there. I was talking to different audiences. So you you want to get that, and then you find those undercards, and then you finish out. And at that point, it's kind of like your agents are throwing out all these bands and who's around, and they're on the tour with this people, and it suddenly starts to fill in rather quickly. So you hope that you're paying attention to some of those. Um, but we don't usually get requests for those bands. The majority of the bands are, we want to well, see the Chili Peppers, because, we I, want to see the Food Fighters. I'm guessing because that's so scattered. You know, there's, yeah. you know, for every, you know, we like, like I said, Wallows and Arkells and all those bands, but there's a whole other set of people like, oh, we like these bands that we probably never heard of, so right. that's probably tough yeah. to find, you know, people that are, at least have a tiny bit of name recognition, so people do show up at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock. And <laughs> Who are the bands this year that you're super excited about? People should, if they haven't heard them already, should definitely check out. Oh, like who someone might not know? I don't know. That's a tough one. Oh, fun game. Yeah. We played the other night. Everybody in my family picked a band we'd never heard of, and we're going to follow them until Bunbury. I got the Aces. There's a rockabilly band, apparently. <laughs> oh, and I'm going to listen to them, and I'm going to get into them. And uh, Pigeons playing ping pong. That's my wife's yeah. band. Yeah. That's who she got into. She goes, that's going to be her band. I don't know yeah. who my daughter's have. I forget. I was, 
hanging out with Alexa the other day, and she was playing me some of these songs. I think Greta Van Fleet's going to be Greta sweet. Van Fleet will be a lot of fun. Running the Jewels is a show. I think that's who Hannah got. Is there yeah. good? Is there a chance of a secret headliner? Like, uh, well, I I do believe there is. Um, like with Dead Mouse a couple years ago, you guys dropped him yeah, on. Yeah, we have one amazing. other. I think there is still one other artist, one mm. other slot to announce. It's not a headliner. T. But um, it it it's it is coming. I believe. Um, I'm pretty Uh-oh. sure. It's it's like one of those things, though. You you, you might move I an artist think. up and then book a smaller <laughs> slot. It just depends on a couple of factors. Ooh. So, but I think, and we still have all the locals and regionals who will be playing some of those to to announce. Oh, cool. Okay. So that's still coming. There's a lot coming that's not on the poster. You got dashboard confessional. I'm just pulling up the line Kelly? so I can remember. Uh, plug Candescence from Columbus saw them open for Pale Waves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very good. Good kids. Well, yeah. Looking for the Cincy Shirts Fest. There you go. See, I think... Um, I mean, I, I'm just... personally. I like the 1975, and, and there's A Nation. I like half their songs, and the other half I'm... Eh. So um, I'll be curious to see what that's like live. What about the... I like Joy Wave. The Sublime oh, and yeah. Stone Temple Pilots sans the singers that probably most people know them for. Hmm. Like, that's going to be very like I'm even a little I'm not the biggest fan of booking a band that doesn't really have its core you know artists but it could be a great show I I, I figure you're not like I'm not going to see them in concert so I'm going to actually just go and enjoy the show yeah there's no downside yeah I get what you're saying um, exactly. like when I saw like at Bellwether last year you know we had the Psychedelic Furs and we had Echo and the Bunnymen and neither band had the full lineup, but the majority, you know, was there. And those were just great shows. Matter of fact, my favorite show, it, it was between the Flaming Lips or the Psychedelic Furs, that, that festival, because they put on such a great show. So I'm going to hold... Uh, if you're looking for an 80s band, I need you to bring orchestral maneuvers in the dark to Bellwether this year. <laughs> OMD. There, there you, you go. So um, I'm not even joking. Yeah. I'd like to see When in Rome, just so I can hear The Promise live. It's my favorite 80s song. The, there's, uh, they yeah. tour separately, those two guys. They got into a big fight, and they're both One in Rome. That's and, hilarious. And they tour the one, they went to Los Angeles, they did one of the 80s festivals there, where they the bands come out and do like two, three songs. They come out, they just do The Promise, and that's it. That's hilarious. ABC's that's on hilarious. that, and, but yeah. What right, I'm curious to see, though, is, is Machine Gun Kelly is funny because he played Fountain Square and he climbed up on the damn roof. Uh, <laughs> and uh, He was in Bird Box. I, I hope he doesn't try to do that because we've from, already had that once at Bunbury. So. From Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some beef with Eminem he needs to work out before then. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he figures it out. Well, and I'm telling people to check out Girl Talk because yeah. I'm a okay. huge Girl Talk fan. Okay. Right? Yeah. He's from Pittsburgh. I love anybody that can seamlessly mash up Outcast and Journey <laughs> at the same time where Ozzy Osbourne and Ludacris and it still sounds good. Out. So big things to come. Yeah. It's going to be a bit like I am excited about the esports event I'm doing this year at Kings Island and the bourbon event that's happening. Oh, yeah, crap. We didn't get into that's that right. stuff. That's all right. Like, it's going to be a crazy, crazy year. So between, for me, it's, you know, Pivot, which is the esports you know event that's What's going to be May. a part of that? Like, what games? Like, uh, like video Legends, game festival? Overwatch. Or is it like a tournament? It's an amateur and collegiate tournament, and then there'll be, like, YouTube and Twitch Stars there for meet and greets and stuff like that. Yeah. And Ninja and unspeakable gaming. And so PUBG, a, uh, yeah, <laughs> Rocket um, League. And um, then then you got Bunbury in June. 
We may do SantaCon in July, like a Christmas in July. We might do SantaCon in July. Oh, yeah. And then Bellwether, and then Brandemonium, which is the branding conference, and then Kentucky's Edge, which is the bourbon, and then we finish up the year with SantaCon again. So... Man, we'll have to come well, what back. What is Santa Con? Back for you the... don't know what Santa Con is? I don't is? know what Santa Con is. Oh, you are like Cincy shirts, and you guys don't know what Santa Con is. I can't People speak for these downtown. two. I've never like done Santa it, but I'm, I'm very aware of it. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. driving around and seeing Yeah, My kids love it. I'm like, we're going to go down and Santa's. We're going to count drunk Santa's. last year. It's the biggest pub crawl of the city. But it's a national thing, right? It is. Yeah, this is like the Cincinnati chapter for lack of better... It's a pretty cool event, though. We raised over $40,000 for The Cure Starts Now, too. So Wow. That's awesome. Can't hit yeah. on that. That's awesome. We'll have to get you a Santa suit. We'll get yeah. you a Santa suit. You guys should year. make, like, long-sleeve hoodie Cincy Santa Cons, you know, to sell. People would eat that up. Yeah. Twist my They'd own. wear them. Hmm. So how um, can people follow you and what you're doing? Because you're the guy that's all things cool. <laughs> you've got the you've got your hand on the pulse of all the cool events. So how can people find you or, or stay up to date? You know, I've got. Do they got to do every festival individually? No, you know what? It's funny you say that because I the thing I have not done in a while is fixed my my per, my company's website, like which talks about all the things that I'm doing, which I know I need to do. That's <clears throat> my production company's called. Our promotions companies, ESK Presents. So there's an eskpresents.com. And uh, I will be updating that soon, and it will link to all the upcoming events and things like that. So You post on Instagram? Or yeah. And, I mean, I do. With? I have a B. Donabedian is, you know, my, my Twitter account and my Facebook account and my, I think my LinkedIn account and my Instagram. Like, it's all B. Donabedian. So, and I, and I try to, I'm, I'm lousy at social for, like, myself. I think because I'm doing it all the time for all these events, I don't like the last thing I want to do is tweet about me eating a hamburger somewhere. So yeah, <laughs> you don't need it. You're a busy guy. I'm following you now, Bill. All right. <laughs> awesome. There you go. Well, um, everybody, of course, support all these awesome events because they're they're not only awesome to be at, but they're they're great for the city when stuff like this succeeds. Thanks. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring, I know we got to wrap this up, but. Was how many years ago was it that it was switched to like no cash? Oh, twenty fifteen. Oh, the bracelet. Was that oh, no, just sorry? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. We went cashless. And that was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> that was a. It sounded it, good on paper. You know what? Yeah. It, it's a cool system, and under the right circumstances, it makes a lot of sense. But there are some things and some fees that we even were like, "What? You know, you've got to pay again to get your money off of it." And. And uh, to implement it was a lot. It was a lot of work and a lot of effort. And um, also, people in this market they want to they want to use cash. Yeah, they do. They just want to use cash. We didn't turn it down. I know that. Oh, you can't take cash. I was like, if someone is, is handing a twenty dollar bill to me and wants a t shirt, I'm gonna take the twenty and I'm gonna give them a t shirt, and we're not gonna. You know? Don't tell that story oh, sorry, right guys. now. Yeah, you don't want to tell. Re- Got to report we, that. We follow all the rules given to us by <laughs> the fine folks of the Bunbury so Music Festival. That's, that's, that's your Firefest moment. Was yeah. the cashless. <laughs> the cashless. But you know, when it was, and when people were actually using it, they loved it. It was super cool. When it's all working and you just tap that, yeah, wristband, bam, yeah. you're going, bam, 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 bam. That's it's like the Disney cool side World, of it. the Magic Band. But it's got to be done right and under the right circumstances. And your your audience has to want it, and Cincinnati does not want that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, think about all the church festivals, Taste of Cincinnati, Oktoberfest. 
what have they all been bred to do? <laughs> you know, trained yeah. to do, bred to do. Use cash. You know, they yeah. come with a hundred bucks, and they're ready to go. And so uh, that's what they want. So that's what they get. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Hey, thank you. Um, we'll have to have you back to talk about the video game festival. Yeah. I yeah, I got to hear all about that. Yeah. I get my son on that on that train because I don't think I have a choice. Yeah, they're qual- qualifier <laughs> tournaments. Check the website out and, and uh, go, to, go to some of those qualifier tournaments so you can be at Kings Island. Nice. Sweet. All right. Thank you for being all here. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Wait, we forgot a coupon code. So we we are. <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were still doing it in the new year, but um, yeah. So we ask our guests to give us a coupon code that is uh, good for twenty percent off their online order uh, or in store, mm-hmm. and you get to pick what that code is. Oh, I, I I know what I'll pick. That'll be easy because I think it's fun to say is Pivip, P I V I P. That's the esports event. Oh, All right, there you go. P-I-V-I-P. P-I-V-I-P. It's, it's, it's player versus player, but then I just put two I's in and I turned it into a palindrome. How clever oh, am I? Okay. That is great. Always spelled the same way, forwards and backwards. Always be promoting. Nice. I love that. I love <laughs> the Bunbury name, name origin, too. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Um, so, well, Pivot, uh, that code will be good until our next episode comes out. So, <laughs> P-I-V-I-P will save you 20% uh, in-store uh, at OTR, Hyde Park, or Loveland, or you can use it online. And uh, man, this was fun. We gotta do I it. I know, again. right? Good Thanks, show. guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs> we'll see ya. So, this is what you meant when you said that you were spent. And now it's time to build from the bottom of the pit right to the top. Don't hold back. Packing my bags and giving the Academy a rain check. Build on a median. I figured I'd play Imagine Dragons coming out of that because, uh, like you said, you could have walked around and met those guys a couple years ago at Bunbury. Man, they were just chilling out. And a uh, little tip for you. If you hang around near the media tent, that's where the up-and-coming bands will meet uh, press and bloggers and things like that. And uh, last year, we spoke to Rex for a long time. Uh, they were really cool kids. Uh, they're from Los Angeles. So you never know who you're going to meet uh, over there. And they're all, everyone's very friendly. They hang out for a long time. They'll sign anything you want. The Bunbury Music Festival takes place on Cincinnati's Riverfront, of course, May 31st through June 2nd this year with headliners following. Out Boy, Greta Van Fleet, and the 1975. Go to BunburyMusicFestival.com for all your Bunbury needs. As always, I invite you to go back and plunder the Cincy Shirts archives. Lots of great episodes in there. John Keyswetter talking about TV, uh, actress Amy Yazbeck, uh, we've got Dean Gregory from Montgomery Inn, Frank Marzullo, Randy Rico off of Weather, uh, your old pal Duke Sinatra from the Gary Burbank Show, along with radio's Finn Rock, Mo Egger. Uh, we see who else have we had on? Cash Wright, Mike Mathis, uh, the NBA referee who uh, lives in town here, Johnny Bench, Bronson Arroyo, they've all been on. Really, all the episodes are great. Haunted Cincinnati, Abandoned Cincinnati, nobody famous on those, but uh, still two of our most downloaded episodes because people love the subject matter. And there's actually two Haunted Cincinnati's. For look, look for both of those. So if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, info at Cincy Shirts, and put podcast guest in the subject line. We've had a few people respond already, and we're trying to dig up some folks for you. Be sure to tell your friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. And maybe they went to school here, or they used to work here, or something like that. Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, who are actually from Philadelphia. How about that? You can find all their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find Vintage Tees from 
from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of defunct sports teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations. We also have a few old rock clubs from around the U.S., like the Off Ramp there in Seattle, a Toy Tiger in Louisville. Those are two really big sellers. And we're trying to add more in other cities. We're trying to get, like, Peabody's for Cleveland and uh, some, some other ones like that. Um, Maybe the graffiti in Pittsburgh, because I think that's gone now, too. Anyway, uh, Cincy Shirts, we have a collection of famous rock albums mashed up with Cincy-related things. Uh, probably the most popular is the Blood Zeppelin Coney one. Just look for that on the site. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is P-I-V-I-P. It's got to do with Bill's uh, next venture there at King's Island, some kind of gaming uh, convention thing. If you go to uh, just Google him, and it'll turn up his promotions company, and then you can find out all about that there. So anyway, P-I-V-I-P is all lowercase or uppercase, doesn't matter. Either one will work. You can use that to save 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can walk into one of our physical brick-and-mortar stores, uh, Cincy Shirts and OTR, Hyde Park, or Loveland and say P-I-V-I-P and get 20% off your order there. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a review wherever you get the show from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.